It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked on Raptors, we take a look at DeAndre Ayton as a potential target for the Raptors in a sign-in trade. Of course, the potentially disgruntled Phoenix star, Phoenix Suns star is up for a new contract, and whether the Suns want to keep him around is kind of a mystery. Could he be gettable? Could be the answer to the Raptors' center position? Do they even need a center? We'll get to that on today's show. We have the help of Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns to fill us in on what Aiton's all about. That's coming up on the other side here on Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1188 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, June the 1st. Holy hell, it's June. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and all the audio apps. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe over there. Had a pretty nice surge lately of subscribers. And the Chris Bosch, Pascal Siakam episode from Monday totally took off. So thank you if you listen to that episode as well or watch that episode on YouTube. Uh, it was a fun chat. And uh, I'll hopefully do some more Raptors history stuff coming up here in the coming weeks and months in the off season. But before we dive into that, we got silly season to stuff to talk about. And on today's show, we're going to talk about DeAndre Ayton, who is a player I quite like who might be a fit with the Raptors but at what cost really we'll get to that in the second and third segments we'll talk about the sort of what a package might look like for DeAndre and what the read on him in Phoenix is from Brendan Clean who is the host of Locked On Suns does a great job over there so that's second and third segments I figured off the top I would just kind of start by talking about my own thoughts on DeAndre Ayton and this sort of lust for a center that it seems like a lot of Raptors fans have. And I've been repetitive on this, so apologies if I'm sort of beating the dead horse here, but 
I don't think the Raptors need to go and like sell their souls to get a center right now. I think they have all the patience in the world. I think they should have all the patience in the world. Yesterday, we talked about the OG Ananobi situation, and OG does come up when we talk about Aiden just because he's a very simple piece to send back the other way and make the Suns potentially very happy. But, you know, when it comes to the Raptors and their team-building model, it really does feel like they are bucking with tradition and sticking to it. Yesterday, our pal William Liu shared a clip after the OG rumors came out about how it was Masai Ujiri from his end-of-season press conference talking about how if he had it his way, he would build the whole plane out of guys who were 6'8 and 6'9, build the whole team out of Scotty Barnes's and OG Ananobis and Precious Achua's and Pascal Siakam's. He said he could get 15 more of them. Uh, watch out Fred, I guess. Uh, his little 6'1 man uh, in some trouble. But the point is, the Raptors have very much declared what they want to do. You can disagree with it if you want. I tend to think it's actually a pretty novel and interesting idea to go ahead and kind of punt the center position, considering that you can fill in a lot of the things you get from centers in terms of size mismatches and rebounding and potentially screening and things like that from guys who have those skills but also have sort of wing qualities as well. And with wings being the premium position in the NBA, I don't think the Raptors are crazy to think this is maybe where things are going. It might not work out. It might be that a couple years from now, we look back at Vision 6'9 and view it as some sort of grand mistake because they tried to buck to tradition too much, they tried to get too cute, and it didn't quite work out. I tend to think the small ball revolution from earlier this decade is kind of giving way to the large dudes who play like their small ball revolution, which I think the Raptors have very much caught on to. And we're seeing right now in the NBA with lots of teams, the Warriors, of course, sort of the progenitors of this, they play big ball now. Like they have Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson and, you know, they'll throw out Otto Porter as their three with Steph Curry, obviously a point guard, Draymond Green at center. That's big ball, but played by guys who play like they're small because they're skilled and talented. Same goes for the Celtics when they go with their massive, you know, Al Horford, Grant Williams, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum lineups. Those are massive lineups as well. And I just kind of think the Raptors are onto something here in that devoting so much in terms of resources to the center position is maybe not the best way to go about building a great team. And that's a position you can address for matchup specific needs when the time comes the way they did with Marcus Saul back in 2019. With Aiton, it's a bit of a weird one, right? Because he's still in some ways a developmental case. He's 23 years old. He missed 50 games in I think his second season or maybe his first season because of the performance enhancing drug suspension. And he still has a lot of room to grow, you would think. He's playing in a system, as we'll talk about in a sec, where he's been so tied to Chris Paul and Devin Booker and kind of doing the things that those guys require that he hasn't really had much of a chance to sort of blossom as an on-ball guy or whatever it might be. And so there might be some untapped potential there to turn DeAndre Ayton into like a seven-foot-one version of the very player the Raptors covet. And so I could totally see the interest in Ayton from that perspective, but... He's a center. He's never been much of a three-point shooter. He's got some mid-range juice, which, you know, that's something to build on for sure. But, you know, in terms of wing skills, that's not something he's really flashed all that much of. He's flashed a lot of really solid big skills, which is what the Raptors, of course, need too, right? Like, that's the big reason why I'm so in on Precious Achua is I think he has it within him to do those big man things that we have not really seen from him and haven't really seen from a Raptors center since Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka left. Aiton would certainly address those things, but is he enough 
of a Raptors-type player in all the other regards of his game to make it worth devoting more than $30 million a year to, 120 million bucks over four years to, to get him in a sign-and-trade? That, I think, is a bigger question, and one that I kind of come down on the side of, I don't think so. Um, we're going to get into some potential trades for DeAndre Ayton, but I think I'm pretty comfortable saying off the top, OG Ananobi, as much as his name was in the news yesterday as a potential trade case, is not someone I'm trading straight up for DeAndre Ayton. I think OG Ananobi is a more valuable player in today's NBA than DeAndre Ayton is, specifically once you start factoring in the contract situation of it all, too, with OG being signed for the next three years. He's got a player option in the final year, but he's got $18 bucks a year owed to him. They were about 20 by the end of it. That is such a remarkably good contract for the Raptors to have on the books. I don't like talking about players through the lens of what their contract looks like, but when you're building a team, you have to consider these things when the salary cap and the luxury tax are considerations and are things that prevent you from just amassing all the talent you might want to have. You have to be smart about your allocation of resources, and they've been very smart with that OG contract. DeAndre Ayton coming in and replacing that OG contract on the books becomes a little bit more difficult to me, a little bit more hard to stomach. And so I think I'm pretty comfortable off the top just declaring I would not swap OG for DeAndre Ayton. We'll get into why that is such an easy sort of fit in terms of trade machine minutia with Brendan in a second here. But I'm comfortable saying there's no world in which I'm trading OG for DeAndre Ayton straight up in a sign and trade. If you can go with something else, which will get to a pretty fun and interesting and maybe passable or viable look uh, at a deal in the next couple segments here with Brendan, if you can find another way to get there, then I'm on board with it. But, you know, I've also seen, you know, people who don't know what they're talking about suggest like, oh, Siakam for Aiden. Uh, Siakam is an infinitely better than DeAndre Ayton is, player than DeAndre Ayton is right now. He's an all-NBA player. DeAndre Ayton is not that, not even particularly close. And so that's obviously just like a non-starter to me. As I've said all summer, all offseason long, we're not going to be entertaining Pascal Siakam trades because he ain't going nowhere. So we're not going to waste air and breath, uh, very, very precious air and breath and time on Pascal Siakam trade ideas. But if there's another piece, Gary Trent Jr., Ken Birch, first round pick, something like that, we'll get into that and what that could look like coming up in just a little bit here with Brendan Clean. I could maybe be talking to that one as a way to sort of keep the Raptors' identity as to what it is and sort of keep on building with the way the Raptors have sort of designed themselves while also adding talent to the roster and getting a better player in the door than who would be going out. That, I think, is how the Raptors like to go about things. They're not about trading guys for lesser players. They're about going and getting guys who are good in exchange who are better than the guys who are there trading out. That's just the way they operate. And so uh, we'll get into more of this conversation coming up very shortly with Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns. Before we get to that, however, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. And now they have granola bars, which is amazing. They come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. You want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at built.com right now. That is a wonderful thing you should be doing. I love granola bars. I used to have them in my lunches all the time, and I still have them basically every day. I have a few kind of go-tos, but guess what? These built granola bars are going to be my new go-to for sure. You get 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar in a built granola bar. That is incredible. It's going to change your world. That's way healthier for you than the typical granola bar you're going to find at the store dipped in chocolate or whatever. Guess what, though? These are also dipped in chocolate. You should be getting yourself some nice, delicious dipped built granola bars. Go and try them right now. 
And if you go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off your order. This is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Go check them out. Get yourself some built granola bars. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And now let's get to the conversation with myself and Brendan Clean from Lockdown Suns talking DeAndre Ayton and whether or not he might be a fit for the Toronto Raptors. Now we've heard what I think about the Raptors and their potential pursuit of DeAndre Ayton, but what does someone who's watched every game of DeAndre Ayton think about DeAndre Ayton. Let's bring in Brendan Clean from Locked On Suns, the wonderful host over there. Uh, Brendan, thanks for being here, man. And uh, DeAndre Ayton, a guy who's been sort of strangely talked about, I think, since the end of the season. There was, of course, the sort of perceived rift with Monty Williams. Uh, Of course, the Game 7 collapse. Everyone got mad at him for playing video games all the time, even though it's who doesn't play video games all the time when you're a mid-20s NBA player who travels a lot and is on the road and has time to burn? I don't know. Maybe that's thing to not blow to proportion. Either way, before we dive into the particulars of a potential raptors sun sign-and-trade match... Let me just kind of get from you, what makes DeAndre Ayton worth trading for if you are a team, any prospective team looking to get his services? Obviously, it'd be a sign-and-trade for most teams. I guess in some cases, there's an offer sheet in the cap space. But for the most part, we're looking at sign-and-trades. Why is he an appealing piece uh, based on what he's done with the Sun so far? I think it's his versatility, um, Mm -hmm. and that starts on the defensive end. I think he's a guy who has always, even dating back to pre-draft, I feel like I've been talking about Aiton for a really long time because we knew the Suns were going to be in position for a a top pick the year he was coming out. And Mm -hmm. these trends have followed him all the way back where it's hard to look at the box score and feel like he's making a big impact on defense. And, you know, in college and maybe his first one or two seasons in the NBA, that's really because he wasn't, but now he definitely (laughs) is making an impact. And again, it comes down to that versatility. It's the ability that he has to execute any number of things you want to do defensively. He, you know, I'm sure most people watched the NBA finals last year. If they're basketball fans, he was guarding Giannis Antetokounmpo, right? And then, you know, you'll also see him then drop into the paint and maybe, you know, deflect a, a basket a shot at the basket then you know the next time he might shuffle his feet and go trap a ball handler out on the perimeter Mm -hmm. he can do all of that for you I think his versatility is a little bit less pronounced on offense but he is somebody who can put the ball on the ground here and there he can finish at the basket he can you know he has a, a little a limited but efficient post game he can make a jumper for you he can screen he can run in transition like he does everything at a b level or higher And I think that's how he's been able to survive in the NBA in the modern era when so many guys like him don't, is he can execute anything you want, any team you're playing. He'll be able to get the job done, and I think that's why you're seeing not a lot of specific teams named in terms of interest, but you're hearing from the national reporter types that there is going to be a market for him. Yeah, and I mean, Masai Ujiri has talked a lot about in sort of his evaluation of the Raptors and their sort of unorthodox team-building concept. Like, they're only going to get a center who fits all the things they're looking for from a center. And Aiden kind of fits the bill in terms of having 
enough versatility to fit into what is a pretty complex scheme that asks a lot of the centers, asks you know, them to sort of play outside of their comfort zone a little bit as well. And, and I think a big thing the Raptors lacked this season, and we've talked about this on, on Locked on Raptors a bunch, is, you know, they're weren't a ton of guys who just did center things very well, like screen or roll to the basket or post up or whatever. And for those who I think are really, really clamoring for the Raptors to add a big man, those are the kind of skills they're looking for. And Aiton seems to really check a lot of those boxes. I'm curious, like, we've seen centers really perform well with Chris Paul basically as a rule, right? Like Bismack Biombo had his best season since playing with Kyle Lowry, which perhaps is not a coincidence. Um, you know, DeAndre Ayton's been really, really good with Chris Paul as his partner in the pick and roll. Is there any concern for you having watched Aiton that like away from the ecosystem, the Suns have set up, maybe his effectiveness is dimmed a little bit, or does he kind of do enough things in enough, you know, different ways that he can kind of survive and thrive no matter who he has around him? I don't think he's the type of player that's going to have the same level of impact, especially on offense. If he's not around a good playmaker like Chris Paul, um, you know, I think there's been a number going around that his the number of, of shots that he had assisted this year was like 80 plus percent, even more than Rudy Gobert, who's somebody we think of as, you know, incapable of doing anything on <laughs> offense. And Aiton needed needed to be fed even more than that. I don't know if I would say he needed to be fed. He was fed yeah. even more than that. So um, I think that there's a little bit of him that is probably there if if he was more of a featured piece on offense. I talked about his post game. He has a pretty much automatic hook shot. He's been able to start to dribble a little bit more. If anybody watched any of the first round games against the Pelicans, he was, you know, he strung together some of the best offensive like shot creation games of his entire career in that series. And so you probably feel like there's something to tap into there. But I think part of the reason it's hard to know is Mm -hmm. his development just got interrupted when Chris Paul got here. He was a player, well, I guess it got interrupted by his own suspension first. Then it got interrupted by Chris Paul coming here. And, you know, by the time Chris Paul arrived in Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton had played like less than 100 regular season games. And now he's played, you know, 100 and something with Chris Paul. Um, And then you get into the playoffs, you're getting to 150. So the majority of his career, he's just been asked to fill this relatively simple offensive role. So I think you look back at the numbers he posted his first two seasons when he was playing with, you know, vastly worse point guards, and you feel like, huh, okay, he was still pretty efficient. He had the ball in his hands a little bit more. He was posting up a little bit more, and it wasn't a big detriment to the offense, but is that something on a winning team, on a playoff team, on a championship team that you really want as you know, 15, 20% of what you're doing in an mm-hmm. offensive system. I don't know. And I really mean, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's, it's too early to say that's not possible, but we also don't have a lot of evidence to say that it is. So I think you want, if you're targeting him, you want a point guard or a playmaker that is going to be able to, to work well with him, integrate him, get him the ball in the spots that he wants and maybe build from there. But I definitely don't think if you're a, a team wanting to win that you should just say, let's go get DeAndre Ayton and he can be our scorer. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting fit within the Raptors because I think you could kind of look at it both ways. There's lots of good playmakers on the team, right? Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, like they can make stuff happen with the ball, but none of them are, I would say, like a traditional sort of pick and roll 
operator and the Raptors don't run him very much pick and roll at all. And so I'm curious how that would kind of work with Aiton. You know, can you run him from the, the elbows and sort of run him with a lot of the stuff the Raptors tend to do with handoffs and things like that? Maybe like that's certainly there, but it's, you know, the way he's had to play or been asked to play with Chris Paul, it is difficult to evaluate him independent of that for sure. And I guess my question to you, Brennan, is like, how gettable is DeAndre Ayton? Like, what's the number some team's going to have to throw at him for the Suns to back off? Obviously, Robert Sarver is Robert Sarver. We know all about him. Uh, we know they're paying a lot of money already to Bridges, Booker, Ayton. Uh, sorry, not Ayton. Uh, Chris Paul. Uh, you know, is there like a sort of walkaway number that you think is out there? Is it like just the full max? Like, it, it feels to me... Like, he's probably not a guy you want to throw the max at, but if that's what it's going to take, that's what's going to take. How do you think the Suns view Aiden as it, when it comes to just, like, how eager they would be to keep him around if some team came across with a godfather offer sheet? Yeah, I think some of this has gotten um, a little bit lost in the, oh, the Suns will never pay the tax kind of narrative that's formed because of the owner. One mm-hmm. thing is... It complicates all of this. We don't know if that owner will be the owner by the end of the summer because there's yeah. still a pending investigation going on. So setting well, right. that aside. That very huge story. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. yeah. A little, little something came along about November time and we still don't know the results of any of that. So, But setting that aside, I do think, um, the, first of all, the Suns have paid the tax under current ownership before. Sure. They would be in the tax basically it would be very difficult to get out from under the tax if they gave DeAndre Ayton uh, a max, um, you know, ne- as soon as next season, unless they just gutted the rest of their role player stable and just got rid of everybody. They're basically mm-hmm. going to be in the tax. They also have an extension coming for Cam Johnson, um, right. who's been a really valuable player for them and somebody that I definitely think they want to keep around. That just makes it more difficult to, to move around without being, you know, paying lots of money in that tax penalty. So that's kind of the stage setter. I don't think, I don't think it's the number because what, as willing as I am to kind of consider the fact that DeAndre might not be a son next season, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't have to do so much with the dollar figure. I think again, the Suns would go into the tax for this. I yep. think that they've been expecting that a max offer would be there. Um, we've heard people like Woj again say that there are you know, numerous teams who are thought to be willing to to give that. We know a lot of teams with cap space this summer also need a center, which is a sure. nice little thing that worked in DeAndre Ayton's favor. So I think that there will be that max. I think the Suns, in theory, would be willing to pay it. Um, I think the, the deal breaker more so than the number in, in terms of money is actually the number in terms of years because right. the big holdup last year, the reason that an extension didn't get done, that Ayton became you know, the first, the only number one pick since like Anthony Bennett or Kwame Brown or whatever to not get uh, an extension is because the Suns were not willing to budge from the four-year max that they wanted to give him and Aiton's camp wanted the five years. Totally understandable, especially at that period of time when the extension is all that's on the table. You can't go get an offer sheet. You're not a free agent yet. So really you're negotiating four years or five years or max versus no max. And why would you not hold out for the biggest possible thing? Made perfect sense then. Makes perfect sense now why Aiton would want that. Aiton's camp also says that they never offered him uh, a four-year, that the Suns never actually offered that four-year max. We don't really know the truth there. James Jones, the general manager, very clearly publicly said that they did. 
who knows? But I think that's really the sticking point. I think the five-year max at this point for Aiton, an offer the Suns still could make to him, is basically off the table. I don't, I don't think that's coming. So really, mm-hmm. it's would the Suns be willing to give him the four-year max that they can give him, which is still 8% raises, so it's a little bit more money, or do they just say, go get your offer sheet, four-year max elsewhere, and we'll decide whether to match it or not? Or do they just say, screw it all, we'll just work with us, and we'll help you find a team on a sign-and-trade, and we'll just get this done, tell, tell you goodbye, and, and move on. So I think that's kind of where we are. I think the, the the tension, the sort of locker room stuff, whatever happened there, makes me a little bit more willing to believe that it could really be possible and that the sure. Suns might be wanting to move on, make their team a little bit more perimeter-oriented, come up with a post-Chris Paul plan, all that stuff. I, I think we might be there. Well, if the Raptors are the team to potentially go and try to lure DeAndre Ayton to fix their quote-unquote hole at center, uh, there's going to have to be some guys going the other way. We'll get into that conversation in just one second here with Brendan. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net, who continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, the Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL futures. What I would recommend right now is you take yourself over to betonline.net and you go and you find the Colorado Avalanche Edmonton Oilers game totals and just slam the over nonstop because those teams are going to score a thousand goals over the course of the next two weeks. It feels like pretty easy money to me. BetOnline is your continued source for all the sports wagering info you need from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today, use your mobile device, and learn more about the trends in the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we round things out here. Let's piece together a trade, shall we? It will have to be a sign-and-trade if the Raptors are to land DeAndre Ayton. And I will say, we're going to talk about Rudy Gobert next week. I think I'd probably prefer Ayton to Gobert, just the number that Gobert's at till the year that he's at that number at gives me a little bit of queasiness. Also rooting for DeAndre Ayton seems more fun than rooting for Rudy Gobert. Um, I I potentially could go and talk to DeAndre Ayton about video games and maybe get some uh, sourcing going there. That that would be fun too. Um, But with that, something's going to have to go the other way. Brendan, can you clarify what the max number would be, like the starting number that the Raptors would have to match going the other way for Aiton on this extension? I'm very bad at cap stuff. I should have had this prepared beforehand. (laughs) That is okay. I want to make sure I'm getting the number right because, again, it is different for um, the Suns with their 8% raise ability versus uh, another team. I believe it's uh, four years, about 100 and... 
twenty or so, hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty million is effectively what it is. Um, yeah, the Suns can offer four years, one hundred and thirty-seven. The Raptors yep. or any other team would be just a touch below that. Yeah, so you're looking at north of thirty million a year uh, yes. as the incoming salary, and with the Raptors being as close to the tax as they project to be going into next season, and they're not going to play the to pay the tax next season. I can almost guarantee you that. Uh, that's all got to be considered, and so that leaves the Raptors in a bit of a tricky spot, right? Because they have some guys on very movable contracts, but to get to the number of a DeAndre Ayton, they'd probably have to piece a few different guys together. I guess we start. We should start with OG Ananobi, who was in conversations yesterday from the Jake Fisher Bleacher Report. I, you can go listen to my episode from yesterday when I talked about the OG rumors and why I don't think there's a whole lot of noise to them. But if a trade is going to happen, his contract is one of the most easily movable. Not that I like talking about players in terms of how movable their contracts are, but hey, it's the offseason. We got to do it. Um, Adding stuff into that then, you know, kind of complicates matters for the Suns, you know, roster spaces and things like that. You could probably piece something together with Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, um, but that deprives you a lot of, of a lot of shooting. The same issue that I talked about yesterday with the Rudy Gobert potential trade. So it might be something where it's OG plus you know a few other sort of salaries you cobble together. Kem Birch kind of being the very clear seven eight million dollar salary that you could add into OG. You know, is there anything in terms of a Raptors package that you think the Suns would be interested in if you could cobble the pieces together? I don't love getting too specific with, like, the numbers because teams figure this out. That's what they have capped people for. They will get it taken care of. But a basis of Kem Birch, OG, Ananobi as the return for DeAndre Ayton in a sign-and-trade, do you think that's enough for the Suns? OG would add to their sort of list of excellent wings. You would have OG and Bridges on the same team, which feels more or less impenetrable to me if I'm an opposing offense trying to score. Uh, but obviously it leaves the center position a little bit bereft. Thoughts on a package centered around OG and Kem Birch with the other particulars to be figured out at a later date. Yeah, and um, to open a rabbit hole and then quickly close it here, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the nightmare of organizing a DeAndre Ayton trade, you should be glad that you don't cover the Suns because <laughs> the base year compensation, which is a rule that if nobody's heard of, you should be lucky that you've never heard of this because the NBA <laughs> has rules about this stuff. So when the Suns send DeAndre Ayton out in a potential sign-and-trade, he counts as a different amount of money than he counts for the incoming team. So right. it is a complete, um, it's a complete nightmare. Basically what you're looking at is, and the reason that Suns fans perked their ears so much when this OG Ananobi news came down is his salary figure is basically exactly the, the sweet spot for what you're looking for, for an eight and trade, because right. the Suns can't take back more than about $19 million in a trade Right. And uh, Aiton would count as about 24 going to Toronto. So really what that ends up meaning is, you, like you said, you, you got to add a bunch of dumb little, like, this guy <laughs> who's on the a, scales, this small there, contract and this there, guy who's on a little there, bit of yeah. it. You have to do all that <laughs> stuff. But really what you'd be looking at is effectively Aiton for OG straight up would be sort yeah. of like the starting point. Or Gary Trent actually fits that as well, although he's sure. – understandably a little bit less desirable just as a two-way player and for what the Suns need. Although, yeah, he, they, he would help some of their perimeter scoring stuff. So sure. that's kind of what you'd be looking at. And I think the Suns would be pretty excited if they could get a player of Ananobi's caliber. I mean, just for just for comparison, like I did a big show last week talking about, hey, what if the Suns could get Clint Capella and the 16th overall pick from Atlanta? Wouldn't that be a swell deal? 
So that's the kind of like bad value that teams tend to get in these sign and trades. Yeah. It, it's it's rare that you see a team get really, really good stuff back if they're getting rid of a player on a sign and trade just because of that salary, because they don't have leverage, right? I mean, the yeah. players already decided they want to leave. If the team doesn't want to match that contract, then it's at that point, it's like, okay, well, you know, go ahead, leave, or we'll give you very, very little to, to keep to, to confirm that you're not going to match this contract. But at the end of the day, the Suns wouldn't have much to do at that point if they really didn't want to match it. So you don't see major pieces moving. So, you know, long story short, Ananobi would be probably the single best player that we've heard theoretically could be available, though I, I don't know how you feel about that, that the Suns mm-hmm. could just get in a sort of one-for-one swap. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time envisioning the Raptors being okay with that one-for-one just because yeah. OG checks so many of the boxes that they look for in players, right? And Aiton, while versatile, he has those questions we talked about in the last segment. Gary Trent Jr., though, that's interesting. Like, that that tickles my fancy. And if, if it's tickling yeah. my fancy, it probably means it won't tickle the Suns' fancy quite as much because that's how trades work. Uh, <laughs> You'd probably be looking at, like, then you might think, okay, could we could we see if if Kem Birch is a player who could be added to that, and then maybe sure. a first round pick as well, or something like yeah. that, just to to settle the difference. That would probably be where I would think if yeah. if it was Trent, it would be like Trent Birch and a first round pick, and then some other stuff from the Suns side going back. Tory yeah. Craig is a player that that wasn't really in their playoff rotation. They might be looking to move Cameron Payne, the backup point guard, things like that. That would be. That would be what I think would happen on the Trent side. Although he's not a, obviously not no bad player, and he's young himself. No. So yeah, he's certainly like he wants some bench scoring behind Devin Booker. Uh, certainly, you could. I mean, you could probably play him next to Booker and Paul, and just have him rein in a parade of wide open threes for you as well. He's pretty good at that. Although he's better at hitting them when people are directly in his face because he's he he rocks like that because uh, <laughs> he's yes. cool. Um, but yeah, the the. Trent Birch and a pick or something that I think is probably as far as I'd be comfortable going if I'm the Raptors, you know, OG, you know, I guess it depends, right? If the rumors that maybe he's got some discontent with his role, which our our pal Scotty Barnes was quick to dispatch on social today, um, you know, I, I think maybe there's something there, but I made the point on my show yesterday the Raptors aren't trading OG Ananobi for a worse player than OG Ananobi. They're trading OG Ananobi as part of a bigger picture thing to go get a superstar, or they're hanging on to him because they have no incentive to move on from a guy they have signed for the next three years at a very reasonable figure who hits 40% of his threes and is one of the best defenders alive. Like, you don't just trade those guys away. You don't see the Suns being like, what can we dangle Mikal Bridges for to help with our depth? Like, that's not exactly. a thing that <laughs> exactly. you do. Um, so, yeah, I would say probably pretty low likelihood that this Raptors Suns thing comes together what would you say like of all the different packages whether it's that Trent uh Kem in a pick or OG like where would you sort of slot the Raptors in among the potential partners for the Suns that you've kind of talked about on your show and and sort of gone through in your head in terms of likelihood yeah I I tend to lean the same way not not obviously covering the Raptors day-to-day as closely as you but when I saw the Ananobi news I was thinking the same thing like this right this doesn't seem super likely. If it were to even get close, he would be near the top of the list. I mean, for the same reasons the Raptors value him so much, the Suns would too. And mm-hmm. he would be an, an awesome get uh, if the Suns did decide to move on from eight. And they would have to figure out the center spot. But 
you know, it's an easier thing to fill than a great wing. So if you get rid of your center and get a great wing and then you have to go find a bargain bin center, I think that that's an OK uh, gamble to make. You know, a lot of the other trades are, are pretty similar to the Trent th- Trent thing, though. You know, Capella, right. Miles Turner is a player that's been talked about for the Suns. Um, sure. Terry Rozier is another one that that's come up. PJ Washington and Terry Rozier sort of package from Charlotte. So, I mean, it's it it's uh it's scraping the bottom of the barrel at a certain point for the Suns unless they really just strike gold and the team is just really excited to get Aiton and wants to go go swing for the fences. Um, but the Suns are not in a position of strength. Restricted for agency, uh, they can match. They have the strength there, but these sign and trades, they're they're not in a, in a very strong position. So I think you're probably right. If if it was Toronto, it would be something closer to that Trent deal. And if I'm the Suns, I, I don't know if that's really exciting enough for me to you know make a quick decision. They can always just keep Aiton and and decide you know the trade deadline sure. next year, next summer. They could they could think sure. about trading him again. So there's no rush, and I don't think Trent is going to make them rush. And the thing to consider with Trent as well is he's a player option at the end of next year. So if he shows out, then you're all of a sudden paying him a lot of money and probably going through this whole rigmarole once again. Uh, in which case, we'll gladly have you on the podcast uh, to talk about <laughs> trading Gary Trent Jr. back to the Raptors in a sign-and-trade. But until then, Brendan, thank you so much for hopping on, man. This was great. Uh, where can people check out all of your wonderful work? Yeah, right there on the screen on YouTube at Brendan Clean 14 on Twitter. That's where all my stuff uh, will be posted. Obviously, you can find Locked on Suns on uh, your favorite podcast platform as well. If this stuff gets closer, I'll obviously be talking about it. We'll probably have to do another crossover, Sean. But uh, until then, that's, uh, that's where I'll be. Sounds good. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with the last episode of the week. I'll be away on Friday flying, so tomorrow will be our final show to close out the week. Might bring back our favorite game show that we came up with last week, Mid-Level Madness, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you haven't listened, go listen to yesterday's episode where I talked about the OG rumors, and go listen to the Chris Bosch, Pascal Siakam comparison episode from Monday as well. Uh, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day. It's got to be locked on Oilers, man, or locked on Avalanche. That series rules. It's consuming my life. It's making me not care about the NBA Finals because the hockey's just so damn good. Go listen to both of those shows. They're crushing it, covering that wonderful, wonderful series. And go listen to Locked on Suns as well. Make that your second listen, too, as Brendan's doing a great job there. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.